This podcast may contain adult language and situations, graphic, gory details, and other not-so-nice things. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Lacey. And I'm Ashley. And this is United States of Murder. This week, we're in Idaho, discussing a case that detectives said looked like it was straight out of a horror film. Then we'll talk about the links some will go to for revenge. Buckle up and join us on this dark and twisted ride through the gem state. Prophecy is defined as the prediction of something to come. In religion, this message or communication is through a person by a spiritual entity. This can be revealed through visions or even direct interactions with the divine being in physical form. Stories of prophecies have been known throughout centuries, most notably Nostradamus, the French astrologer and physician who wrote a collection of 942 poetic quatrains, allegedly predicting the future and events, and this was published in 1555. But for every prophet like Nostradamus, there are at least 20 who falsely claim the gift of prophecy or divine inspiration. Look at doomsday cults the Branch Davidians, Heaven's Gates, and even Jonestown. Heartbreaking examples of people who were swept up by false prophets. We've talked before about how super-religious people who have mental illness can often think they see or hear God speaking to them or prophesizing, telling them things, telling them to do things. We see it and read about it in the news almost daily. Andrea Yates, for example, believed that the only way to keep the devil from returning to earth and taking over was to drown her five children. To her, this was a prophecy that she needed to fulfill. She was later diagnosed with schizophrenia and treated in a mental institution. Spiritual psychosis is a real thing and often has a very tragic ending. David and Lorraine Canico lived in Rexford, Idaho. David worked at a naval reactor's facility outside Idaho Falls. They had a daughter named Laura and were deeply committed to their Mormon faith. Laura maintained a 4.0 GPA at Madison High School and then in Ricks College, where she majored pre-med. She wanted to become a doctor and cure cancer. Laura did have a mental illness that started manifesting itself in her early teens, but she was Hmm. never treated for this. Oh, so we don't know what it is. It was a schizoaffective bipolar type disorder that would hamper Laura's ability to function sometimes and judge reality. Mm -hmm. She believed she received a revelation in 1994 that she was supposed to marry an apostle and she and her mother both decided that she needed to go through a cleansing process that included only eating certain foods and isolating herself from others. About the same time, David started becoming very controlling. He wouldn't even let Laura give her valedictorian speech when she graduated what? high school. Why? He was that controlling. And he told her she couldn't go to Japan on a mission trip with her church. Like, super. That's interesting because I know a little bit about the Mormon faith. And mission trips are a big deal mm-hmm. in their religion. So for him to be a part of the Mormon faith and not wanting her to go do that, mm-hmm. that's... yeah. That's strange. So in 1997, relatives began asking local police to do welfare checks on the home. 
Family and friends had noted that the two women, who had once been very social and active in the church and community, had begun to pull away and isolate themselves in their home, which not was good. A, which was a double wide trailer. It would sometimes be months that people would go without seeing either woman. Sometimes on these welfare checks, the police would have to threaten to get a search warrant before either woman would come to the door and answer it. Like they just what? wouldn't, they would insist that they were fine and they just wanted to be left alone and the police would check and they had running water, food, electricity, and everything. They looked fine. So there was nothing that could be done legally. I mean, it's not, they can't force you to leave your home. No. And no, there's nothing, no. you know, illegal about wanting to go into seclusion. Yeah. I mean, they weren't being harmed and they weren't being held against their will. So. Yeah. It's tricky in those situations, yeah. even if you know it's not, it might it's be psychological or whatever, yeah. but you, you can't do anything if they're not going to say we're being held against. Right. Or, or they're not even acting weird or yeah. suspicious. Yeah. They're just like, I'm just, I don't want to go outside. It's yeah. not whatever. So in 2001, another welfare check was made. And again, police were told that we're okay. We can take care of ourselves. So mm. over the next... Several years, the two women continued to isolate. And David just went on to work and eating out at restaurants, even going to his doctor's appointments, and had a knee surgery. But he never asked for help for his wife or daughter. Like, clearly. So they didn't go to doctor's appointments. They never left the house. No one's seen them at all. So, in 2004... The family had discovered that David was staying in hotels and neither woman had been seen in well over a year at this point. Deputies were called again to investigate. After talking with those who knew the family, the police department got a court order to take the women and have them evaluated by medical professionals at a mental health facility, regardless if they wanted to go or not. They were coming to take them. Wow. Because there was something, there's something going on. Okay. So they called David before they headed there, and he told them to wait on him because the women wouldn't answer the door unless he was there. So on June 19th, the deputies arrive. No one answers the door, but this time they had the paperwork and they could go in. When they walked inside the house, they saw a very cluttered home, trash bags, and hundreds of air fresheners. Oh, Black trash bags were covering all the windows, and the entire house smelled like chemicals. Ew. They made their way through and into the bedroom, where under a pile of blankets on the bed, they found the badly decomposed bodies of 58-year-old Lorraine and 31-year-old Lauren. Oh, no. They looked like mummies, said one of the detectives. Both of them? They had to have died right after the last welfare check three years ago. What? Wait. Yes. No one had, like, they were skin and bones, like skeletons yeah, with, like, I've a seen, sheath over, like, of skin. I can imagine what they look like, yeah. So, and no one had ever had to deal with anything like this in this police department. Uh, Obviously, you know, detectives considered that the two women could have possibly been murdered and that David was their prime suspect. So, he lived with the, his daughter's body for three years? And later determined his wife's corpse for a year. Oh, my so goodness. They, well, wait. So yeah. his wife died with the 
mummified yes. daughter yep. for two Yeah. What? Yes. So when David came home from work, he refused to speak to the police without his attorney present. Oh. He didn't seem to be too concerned about the women. He was more worried about what was going on inside his house. Like, what are they doing? Why are they taking that? What is this about? He was charged with a misdemeanor for obstructing an officer and lying about the condition of the women and was held on a $500,000 bond as a material witness. The women's bodies were taken to the medical examiner's office and autopsies were performed. Oh, my. They concluded that Laura died first in May or June of 2001, and her death was caused by dehydration and starvation, according to the forensic pathologist. Oh, my gosh. But this just wasn't any forensic pathologist. It was a specialist who worked for the Department of Defense and performed autopsies on Saddam Hussein's sons. Oh, my word. Well, it seems like that would be a very difficult autopsy if someone's been mummified and dead for yeah. three years. So yeah. was he using those chemicals to try to mask the, the cor- smell? Oh, okay. Was he, do you know if he was doing anything to their bodies to keep them? It did, didn't say. Do bodies just mummify if I nothing's mean, done? I don't I know. I look at all of these, uh, there's a, there's a Instagram page that I follow that's, what? oh shit, I can't remember the name of it. Anyways, it's basically they go in after a, someone's been shot or murdered, or they crime scene cleanup, basically. Mm. And there's pictures where they went in and cleaned up where someone has been dead on the floor and have just basically turned to goo. So I don't know if... They can post pictures of that? Well, they don't show the body, but they'll show what the remnants. Oh, no. Oh, no. no, I'm obsessed. I look at it every day. Oh, my God. Not while I eat my Whopper, but it's gross. But interesting. And they make a lot of money. If I did that job, I'd hope I made a lot of... mm -mm. Yeah. So I'm wondering, I'm assuming that first you turn to jelly and then you turn to a mummy. I have no idea. I don't either. We're going to have to look at I've never thought about it until now. Put a pin in that mm -hmm. and then we'll have to. Because I would kind of, because I've seen mummies, like actual mummies. But they're like They're wrapped up. Yeah. Yeah. They've been protected, so to speak, to look the way they do. So how does they, I don't know. I don't either. We'll have to check, do some more investigating. mummy investigations. Mm -hmm. I don't know. So he could tell that Laura had died when it was warm out and Lorraine had died when it was cold out. There were no obvious signs of homicide, no signs of a beating, stabbing, or shooting. Again, it was decided that both women had died of starvation and dehydration. That must have taken a long time, too. Like, years. The suffering, uh, dehydration, and... uh, mm Mm-mm. So, dressed in protective suits and in respirators, the police went through the entire house for nine days. There were empty cereal boxes that were labeled with the day that they were eaten. What? Yes. Yes. Toilet paper and trash bags and just just piles and piles of trash. Mm-hmm. And journals meticulously noted things like when the furnace kicked on and off. Like, every single thing was written down. Like, OCD. By him? No, by the women. Daily food logs were kept by both women, and they documented this for over 10 years. And you see a pattern of how they were going deeper and deeper into seclusion. One entry of Lorraine said her husband moved around the house like a vapor. What? She sounds horrifying. That's, that sound, that's, yeah. Uh-uh. Detectives contacted the FBI about a profiler 
who told them to get a handwriting expert to tell them which injuries were mom's and which were the daughter's. This was sent to Dr. Omelia, who treats patients with both mental and physical illness. She stated that from the journal entries, it appears the girls, or women, were severely malnourished because that's what most of the writings were about, was food. Oh my goodness. Lorraine had no history of mental illness, and it's believed that her close relationship with her daughter and social isolation had caused her to also start having delusions. Oh, yeah. So they cataloged every single thing that they thought might be evidence, and the police had to even call in their secretarial staff to just sort through everything. There was so much. So prosecutors requested that David undergo a psychological assessment when trying to figure out what to charge him with. Oh, yeah. Then officials summoned a special magistrate to force the psychologist to share what David had revealed to them. Mm. Apparently, you knew that. Okay. So David explained that he had found Laura passed away and that his wife was determined to fulfill this prophecy. And when Lorraine finally died, he placed her in the bed beside Laura. I know. Let's see Lacey's face. I'm, my face is going to get stuck this way. The thing is, I I remember like you saying that she thought she was going to marry an apostle, mm-hmm. and they wanted she was going to cleanse. Mm-hmm. But how do you meet someone if you're never leaving your house? And then once she died, wouldn't the mom be like, "Oh, well, I was wrong. She's or we were wrong. She's not marrying an. She's dead. Why would she? It's crazy. I can't even get it's, in my. Oh it, my goodness. So a mental health expert Ugh. testified at the hearing that these women suffered from chronic mental illness that made it very difficult for them to judge reality uh-huh. and take care of themselves. David testified during the hearing that interfering with their plan would have showed lack of faith on his part. He said that though he found both women after they died, he didn't call the police because he thought all of this was still part of a divine plan. Oh, if if he called the police for his daughter, his wife would still be alive, likely, maybe. But they were super religious and thought that this is what God wants. This is what I was told to do. And it's all part of the plan. And if we stray from this plan, then it's showing God that we don't have faith in him and his promises. So they stopped going out and going to church and stuff. Do you know about him? Was he continuing to go to church? He was still going and doing everything normal. Because it's like, it almost seems like they had their which own is, little cult at the house. Which is why people were, whatever. yeah, which like, is why people were sending police to check. They're like, we haven't seen them. Yeah. And they're like, no, we're fine. We're good. So according to court records, the women died after following a plan that they believed was divine revelation. I hate this. This makes me so mad. Restricting their diet in complete isolation. David said the women told him they had received that revelation that Laura was supposed to marry this young man who was an apostle and was away on a mission trip for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And they had to do all this for them. Authorities looked at charges including murder, but determined that his actions fell short of the level of homicide. But he knew they were sick. And he did not yeah, report it. He's not innocent. And here. he did not no. didn't report it, didn't seek help, didn't report Mm-mm. their deaths. So in April of 2006, David was charged with five felonies. Okay. Two counts of involuntary manslaughter, mm-hmm. two counts of abandonment of a vulnerable human, and one count of desertion. He was sentenced to four to six years in prison with six months of a mental health program. After completing this and then the six month program, 
He was released on five years probation. David spent the next 11 years in the same home where Lorraine and Laura died. In 2014, he made a court request to have his manslaughter conviction erased from his record, but it never was because in 2016, at the age of 76, David died of cancer. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. Mummies. Mummies. I mean, I know it's not a murder case, kind of. Well, I but mean, it's, it's, <sighs> it's, it's a crime. It is I, that's, a definite. That's neglect big time. I know they're adults, but you know what? He now? was obvious. I mean, you cannot say that he played no part in no, you can't. them not leaving the house. Like, I don't believe that. They, oh Why my would, God. I'm it makes just me like, sick that but, 10 years of writing with, oh my gosh. But you know that <sighs> it, it's kind of, it's not the same, but similar in the fact of these religious psychosis that people have. Like, yeah. like the Michaels girl that I covered that inspired the haunting of Emily Rose mm-hmm. or the possession of Emily Rose, like, whatever the hell it's called. You they manifested yeah. all this, but they blamed it on religion. Also, I still kind of think it was a demon. But <laughs> I was about to say it wasn't a demon. But you can see when they went to court and all that, where they're like, she starved mm-hmm. to death because she wasn't treated for her mental illness, which is what was causing all of this other shit. There's a if big it wasn't connect- a demon. <laughs> no, but there can be a big connection Huge. with mental illness, it, hyper-religion, yes. and... Oh my gosh. It's just like they take a little bit and it just snowballs. Snowballs. It's not like that's the Mormon church. That's not their thing. That's not the that's Church not, of Jesus yeah, Christ of Latter-day yeah, that's Saints not their or thing. Catholics. It's not. Yeah. It's just like they. Individual people. They they just. Something happens in their mind, whether it be mental illness or just like mm-hmm. fear or ugh, it just. That stuff freaks me out so much. I, sure. When people start isolating themselves and they're hyper-religious. There's something that just makes me sick. I don't like it. Don't like it. It's super creepy. Nothing creeps me out more than religion. Don't come for me, Christians. <laughs> I am real. religious. I would say you're spiritual. <laughs> Miss, but, have your aura read. <laughs> <laughs> but, and I... A Southern Baptist would never. I'm not a Southern Baptist, no. <laughs> but I try to be accepting sure. of other religions. Absolutely. And I am to a certain extent. Right. But when it starts getting... Don't force it on me, though. When it starts getting culty... Culty. I, there's a, there really is a fine line between religion and cult. There is. And I, I everyone's to each their own. But when things start getting... Weird. And that's a fine line. Who says what's weird? I think a lot of things are weird in religion that people would disagree with. I do too. And I'm like, okay, Christians, I don't think that you're selling this. I'm going to have to spend all of eternity with you. (laughs) This is not not, not a good strong selling point. I don't want to hang out with you forever. Thanks, though. I'm going to take my fundamental rights and my alcohol. Go over here where it's hot. And if you're introducing <laughs> mummies. Yes. Yes. Oh, to each their own, for real. No. Like, and I mean, I grew up I, cradle Catholic and mm-hmm. and I've taken Max to Catholic church. He's mm-hmm. gone to Methodist church. You know, we, we've mm-hmm. done our rounds. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with religion, being Christian, being Buddhist, being mm-hmm. Jewish. Whatever you want to do, whatever makes you feel good and 
makes you feel like, you know, more. And that's it. You know, be feeling good. Yes. Be closer to whatever not being bond being. Yes. That you want to. Yeah. Good for you. Knock your socks off. But I'm, I'm agree with you. Like there is a super fine line like between. The, his wife and daughter yes. were oppressed. They completely. were. Completely. Isolated. That's yes. not, not good. When you can't have a Rice Krispie treat because you think the Lord says you can't, you might want to call somebody. Yeah, the Lord tells me I need way too many rice crisps. He says I need a pie right now, whole pie. <laughs> it's like Lacey, this girl, is the get Lord. you some fries. Lacey, this is the Lord. You need a big you need to, you need to go to Dugan's and get the cheese sticks. Oh my gosh! And I'm like, yes, I can't help it. It's prophecy. I have to fulfill oh, it. And that's a fine line too, where people use that. I have a prophecy to do this, and it's. All these cults. A lot of brain. Oh, my gosh. We're going to, yeah. Lacey's not having a turn this week. (laughs) I could go down a a, a whole rant about cults. And it's funny because next week we're doing Michigan. Mm -hmm. And I was looking up stuff. I'm not covering a cult, but there's a bunch of cults in Michigan. I feel like there are more cults than we realize. Oh, a ton. I'm just, there's this one. uh, we We need to do a whole special on cults sometime. We do. But it gets me real mad. It Lacey's cheeks are red. Not start. Nope. She looks like Rabbit from <laughs> Winnie the Pooh when he's got the red rosy cheeks I when just, he's mad. I hate it's the manipulation. I just I hate that kind of thing. I don't know. Anyway, well, it's because they tend to prey on those. Obviously, we've said this forty thousand times that are lost. Yeah. And they're seeking something, anything, mm-hmm. anything that they can believe in that yeah. makes them feel better. Mm-hmm. And they do in the beginning, typically. Sure. Like it's, they get sucked they in for a good reason. In. Yeah. They and like what they're, and then it's like they get trapped. It's, next thing you know, you <sighs> drink this grape Kool-Aid. I can't eat. That's on the these, one case. Put I on can't. these white Reeboks and no. go lay down in the bed. If anything's on about Jonestown, I can't watch Jonestown. I have in the past. No. I know enough about it. I get so mad. That's the worst. That just, in my opinion, that's one of the worst stories of any cult I've ever heard. Oh, I, I 100% agree. It makes me nauseated. Forcing the mad. children, I just, I, oh, I have, we can't. I have chills. I'm so mad. We got to stop. Oh. You're making my armpits sweat. Okay. Okay. We got to take too. a break. We break time. No more break cult. Time. We're t- talk. No more cult talk this episode. <sighs> Deal. 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 Oof. Break. Break. In the early 90s, Vernon Jensen was a 20-year-old studying to become a respiratory therapist in Boise, Idaho. And he was also separated from his wife. I feel like this is the start of a lot of our stories, or respiratory therapists. A lot of healthcare workers, I feel like. Well, he also had a daughter with his ex. While he was working, he struck up a friendship with a nurse at the hospital he was at. God bless. They shared some shifts together. You know how it is. Well, no, you don't, but <laughs> you know how it could be. You've seen it. I mean, you've witnessed it. I've never done that. Yeah, you've wi- I'm I sure have you've witnessed. witnessed it. There's a lot of secrets that go on yeah, at well, the hospital. That's true. Dirty she, dogs. <laughs> she was a divorced mom to a four year old boy. They hit it off. They went on a few dates. She was the one who asked him out. So actually. they're both single. Yeah, they're well, both single. We don't single. care about this. We yeah. love this for them. Yeah, yeah. Well, she handed him a note asking if he wanted to grab drinks with her. Cute. He he liked her. She was funny. She seemed very friendly. He thought it was just a couple of casual dates. Vernon liked her. Her name was Vicky. She was funny, seemed very friendly. He thought it was just a couple of dates, you know, casual thing, but she became possessive right away. She liked him more than he liked her. Yes. She was taking it very seriously. In fact, 
In the beginning, once while he was out of town with friends, she called his mother. Uh-uh. They had only been on a few dates at this point. Oh. He didn't know it until later. Not only that, to find his mom's number, she called say. every single Jensen in the phone book. That's <sighs> not good. After this, she declared herself Vernon's girlfriend because she talked to his mom. Can you imagine having to explain? Oh, my. And his mom was probably like, oh, my gosh, that's so sweet of her. You know, not really quite grasping. <laughs> so he thought this was just too much too soon. We've been on a few dates. You're calling my mom without me. Not what? So he just kind of threw himself into work as a distraction. He found a full-time job in Twin Falls, Idaho, which is around two hours away from Boise. But Vicky wasn't too worried about this. She said she'd go with him. No problem. Yeah. And she has a child. Yeah. Yeah. A four-year-old. So once his divorce was finalized in 1991, Vicky announced they would get married. It's like she announces, I'm your girlfriend. We're getting married. And that's what happened. They got married. Very pushy. Yeah. You can probably assume correctly that the relationship doesn't get better from here. After they were married, Vicky began physically and mentally abusing Vernon. Shocking. Yeah. So even once they were married, Vicky was fixated on Vernon's ex, who he had the child with. He didn't even live near anymore. She had recently raised his child support because he got a better job, and Vicky was furious about this. One day she said, I'm going to kill that witch. This doesn't sound so familiar. I know. It's because so many stories are like this. this it's horrible. I swear you've done this. No? I swear no. I have swear not. Done I it. Swear. Was it me that did it? It no. sounds very familiar. No. Well, he thought she was just saying this out of anger. But one day he noticed that she brought home some insulin from the hospital. They weren't diabetic. So this was unusual. Why would you have insulin? Well, he asked what the deal was, and she said, I'm going to go take care of it. Vernon took the insulin and the syringes, drove off, and threw them in a dumpster. He was hoping it was just all talk, and she really didn't have any plans. But just in case, he threatened to call the police if she did anything like that again. Vicky was pissed at Vernon. She felt like he did her dirty by throwing the insulin away and ruining her plans. And Vernon was worried about what she might do to him, like to punish him for ruining this for her. When she felt like he wronged her, she would scream at him, punch him, throw things, the whole thing. But he was raised to never hit a woman, and he stood by that, and he didn't lay a hand on her. So the one-sided fights got worse, and Vernon couldn't take it any longer. He moved out and started working extra so he could afford a good divorce attorney. After the split, Vernon began dating again. He met a nurse's aide named Alita Diane Ray, and they struck up a relationship. He called her Diane, her middle name. Vernon said that she was kind and caring to her patients and was never impatient or short-tempered. She always had a smile on her face and a soothing voice. She would always put others above herself, and her daughter was her priority. After being with Vicky, he felt like this. she was a breath of fresh air, totally different than her. Well, after dating for a while, Vernon and Diane moved into an apartment together with Ray's daughter in 1999. Vicky found out, and she was furious, and began stalking them. Vernon must have had a feeling that Vicky would be an ongoing problem, so he and Diane started planning an out-of-state move to get further away from Vicky. Regrettably, they were unable to see those plans through. Vicky concocted a devious plan with the help of her 14-year-old niece, Autumn Pauls, 
and her niece's 17-year-old ex-boyfriend, Matthew Pearson. On the morning of September 9, 1999, Vicki, Autumn, and Matthew broke into Vernon and Diane's apartment after Vernon headed to work. They pointed a gun at Diane and held her down. Then Vicki injected a lethal dose of insulin into her arm. Oh my god! In an attempt to cover it up, she also injected her with meth to make it look like it was an overdose. Jesus Christ. And she also placed meth in Diane's purse. And she planned I, this shit out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So this is terrible. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. Yeah. For approximately one hour, all three of them stayed and watched her suffer and die from the insulin overdose. They wanted to make sure she would, in fact, die. So they weren't going to leave until she stopped crying for help. Oh. Isn't that horrific? My oh, God. This is even worse. After an hour, they left the apartment she wasn't dead yet, but they were like, she's going to die. She can't really cry for help anymore. Her three-year-old daughter, Jade, was still there in the apartment, left alone with her dying mother. What kind of people just left that baby alone? Yeah, yeah. And three, it's so little. They, oh, and I'm sure she was scared. She knew something was wrong, I'm sure. But she, you know, you're three. You can't, what can you do? Oh, it's horrible. Well, once police arrived, Diane was on the floor and her lips were blue. There was nothing to suggest a robbery or a fight, but Jade, who was a witness, kept saying others were in the house. So she could tell them that, like, in her, you know, in her own words, we weren't alone. An autopsy was conducted, and of course they realized that she had an overdose of insulin, but also methamphetamine through a syringe. Vernon insisted she did not do drugs, she didn't do meth, this is not, something's wrong. So the police classified the case as a homicide and began their investigations. They also quickly found out about Vicky's stalking and harassment, and Vernon insisted from the very beginning that Vicky was behind it, but he had no proof other than saying, she's got to be behind this. Well, they had a break in the case when Autumn, Vicky's niece, told a friend at school that they could take care of people without being caught. Police questioned Autumn about this, and she broke down and confessed to everything. She's 14. Imagine helping murder Girl. and then you're carrying that around. Well, after several months in February of 2000, police arrested Vicky and charged her with first-degree murder. Vernon saw clips of Vicky's interrogation and felt disgusted. He said that she came across like she was the smartest person in the room and that she could get away with anything. He also said that it even looked like she was flirting with the man trying to put her in handcuffs. Good lord. He said that's who she was. Evil. So, to give you a little background on Vicky, according to a pre-sentence investigation report, Vicky was raised in a stable and supportive home. She was a good student and achieved above-average grades in school. She graduated high school, got married, had a child, then enrolled in nursing school. She got a divorce from her first husband in 1990 and then became a licensed registered nurse. Her co-workers described her as a capable worker who seemed caring and dependable. She seemed jolly, positive, upbeat, and was efficient at her job. Her family and friends described her as a fun-loving and devoted mother. So I'm saying all of this not to be like, oh, look how great she is, but to show you that someone who by all accounts seems good and normal, and normal can be capable of something so heinous. Never. Everyone had great things to say about her. No one was like, oh yeah, you know her, she had a temper. No one said anything about that. 
So it's like, never know a person, really. Mm-mm. I'm never dating again. <sighs> well, a neuropsychological exam was performed on her, and it showed that she was intellectually average. That's me. <laughs> intellectually <laughs> average. No. No shame. No. But in some circumstances, she did not show good judgment or decision-making. In emotional situations, she was apt to make poor decisions. The exam also showed that she did not present evidence of antisocial personality disorder. So she wasn't a sociopath, according to this exam. Vernon was riddled with guilt after her murder, and he used alcohol to cope. He felt like he should have known Vicky would do something like this, so he had extreme rage toward her. He said that if it weren't for his faith, anger could have destroyed him. Sure. Vicky who was 39 at the time, pleaded guilty and was sentenced to life in prison. At the sentencing, the judge called Vicky the evil mastermind of a perverse and horrendous crime. Autumn and Matthew were tried as adults, and they also pleaded guilty to first-degree murder. Matthew was sentenced to 15 years to life, and Autumn was sentenced to 12 years to life. Well, Autumn was released on parole in 2015, and she currently resides in Idaho Falls. Matthew remains incarcerated at the Idaho State Correctional Institute in Ada County, Idaho. And Vicki is spending her days behind bars at Pocatello Women's Correctional Center in Idaho. So this case was on an episode of Evil Lives Here. Insane. Yeah. And with the help of the documentary, Vernon was able to reconnect with Diane's daughter, Jade. He said that they now speak frequently and he considers her family. Vernon said, quote, it felt wonderful to tell Jade about her mother and who she really was. Diane was a good person, and she deserved to know that. She will now always have someone in her corner. Vernon remarried in 2017, and he said that his church helped him cope with the tragedy over the years. He said it's been 23 years, but it's still extremely difficult to think about. He said he's not even going to watch the episode. He said, quote, I'm grateful that I've spoken out because it allowed me to think of Diane and who she was. Those feelings have always been genuine for her. The love will always be there. I just hope those in similar situations have the will and courage to walk away and get help before it's too late. So I got the bulk of my info from the case files, Cinemaholic, and Evil Lives Here. But Maybe I've seen it on that you show. You might have. I might, I might have. Because that sounds so familiar, I swear. I don't think I've done any nurses who kill type things yet. I mean, this isn't... The common one, like where they kill a patient, but there are a lot of uh, ID shows where people in medicine kill because they have access to things like insulin or poison or not poison, but poison to our body if we. Well, and then there's those, I forgot what the term is. Um, I'm watching a show and it's about, it's called like, so silly. It's like 911 or something, (laughs) but they have like fire trucks and things. One of their, uh, paramedics on the fire truck, they start noticing a pattern that people that are left alone with him go into cardiac arrest. And another one of the paramedics is like, that's fucking Mm. weird. And they catch him. Basically what he's doing is injecting stuff into these people so he can be the hero and save them. And then in like two instances, he doesn't, he's not able to save them. He's murdered them. That is so. It's not Angel of Mercy necessarily. Yeah, it's, it's, you see it's what all I'm about him. Yeah, it's all about him. Yeah. He's got like hero syndrome. Like he oh, he crap. loves the. That's terrifying. But you know that shit happens. Yeah, well, it's people terrifying. have been arrested for. Well, <gasps> scary. No, 
that does happen. Mm-hmm. Even like, look at Doctor Death. We know a lot of doctors between the two of us. Yeah. Luckily, yeah, I, I trust great them. Doctors, <laughs> we trust them. They're fantastic. <laughs> but but ugh, yeah. there's some Mm-mm. weirdos out there. Like I've said, there's a sociopath in any profession. Just because someone's a doctor, lawyer, I don't know, pillar of the community, pastor. There are evil ones sure. to all the good ones out there. That's just the thing. So, on to good news. We have a new patron. We do. Harley R. from Texas. Hey, Harley. Hi, Harley. Thank you. Thanks. And last week, Stephanie P., she's from sunny Arizona. Oh, yes. is that our first Arizonan? I think we have two. I oh. ran out of pins. I need I to buy can't more. Tell. So, we also had a fun request. Drew Ann said that in addition to buying cocktails, she wanted an option to buy Charlie a bone or a treat. Hilarious. Which is just so extra, but if Charlie deserves it, well, so I set up a little account for Charlie, and I swear all the funds just go for those treats. Well, Drew Ann bought him his first treat, and she said, quote, enjoy a nom for being the best pod co-host, sweet baby. That's <laughs> sweet. And then Andy got Charlie a treat. She said, get you a hot dog, baby boy. So now I'm going to have to go to the grocery store and get him a pack of hot dogs. Yesterday, I bought him his first bag of treats from Trader Joe's. We'll have to show you feeding him a treat or something for Drew Ann. So, thanks, Drew Ann and Andy. He... He's currently twitching. He's up here. I think he's having a dream about, I don't know, sniffing cats. Who knows? Anyway, speaking of Charlie, Charlie's has been having some theme trivia lately. I've been seeing that. So they've had The Office, Parks and Rec, and then this coming Monday, they're having New Girl trivia. That's fun. Did you ever watch New Girl? No. I watched some of it, but the only thing, I'm, I didn't watch enough of it to where I could win at trivia, so I couldn't do well on that, but I want, it makes me wonder what's next. I'm ex- they need to do a Schitt's Creek trivia. Oh, 100. I'm just putting that out in the atmosphere. But then again, I have a bad memory when it comes to stuff like that, so I don't know, but I thought that was a really cool idea. They tend to do it Mondays at 7 p.m., and you can still book a patio table for some of the Concerts yeah, coming up. Yeah, some of the concerts coming up. So call them, call Charlie's, and book a table. And then let them know I sent you and have a key lime martini if you like that. <laughs> Not for me. It's funny. Last week when you did the circus, quote, freak show, unquote, yes. you were kind of afraid of getting some negative comments. Oh, God. Did somebody write in? We got an email from a listener named Dwayne in response from that episode And Dwayne was a carnival worker in the 90s and early 2000s. So just to give you the synopsis, he worked with the carnival for 30 years. Oh, wow. And he still does a couple of fairs a year. He said he would spend winters in Gibtown (gasps) and has a lot of friends in the carnival carnival business that still live there. He said in the wintertime, when you go down there, there's equipment everywhere on the side of the road for sale. And then it's still very much a carnival town. He said each year they have a convention for the carnival. I know. And Shut circus folks. up. We're going. And he said it's still very much Carnival Town, USA. And this is, he's been in the biz 30 years. He we're knows. going. He said if you really want to see how it is, the best time to visit is late November and December. He said you can go to any of the bars and actually meet and hang out with the different circus groups. <gasps> Isn't that so wild? I mean, both of us have birthdays. I like a travel. I like a good we're, travel. We're, we're flying frontier. Oh, no, hell no. Town. <laughs> <laughs> you 
they you know still haven't paid me back. Me either. P.S. Me either. <laughs> can't. I can't even talk about it. I can't either. I contacted Better <laughs> Better Business Bureau. They're, They're like, like, bitch, we get four of these in an hour. <sighs> they, I couldn't get help. <sighs> Frontier sucks. I have a dartboard with just there, a frontier plane on we it where it. I throw my darts at it. Anyways, be sure to follow us on Instagram at United States of Murder and on Facebook and Twitter at USMM Podcast. And if you like us, you can help us out by liking and subscribing on Apple. And if you're feeling extra loving, leave us a review. It matters. It matters. It really. I know you think it doesn't. Yeah, reviews help us out. It's tedious. But I get it. Is it. Super helpful. You can just leave us a review and say Charlie's a cutie pie. Give them all the treats, and that's it. It's a, it doesn't matter. We we get help, but we love the patrons. We love our listeners, supporters. Any way you can help, we love it. We love the emails. We do love the emails. We love the write-ins, the messages. We love it all. I have we to do. tell you something before we go. Okay. So I watched Don't Breathe 2 this weekend. What? What's Don't Breathe 2? What's Don't Breathe the first? You've never seen the Don't Breathe? The first Don't Breathe? I'm Googling it right They're now. They're like trying to break into this house, and this guy's blind. And so, but he's like an ex-Navy SEAL, Special Forces paratrooper, some shit, all the things. And he's like, so he's like super strong and dangerous, but he's blonde. So his other senses are heightened. So that's what the first one is about, or these teenagers, like 19, whatever, are going to break into the house. And he ends up like fucking killing them because he's like super karate chop to the neck. From the creators of Evil Dead. So is it really like blood and gutty? No, it's not. And is it's it funny? Really, it's not funny. Oh. It's suspense thriller. There's no boogeyman, so to speak. Uh-huh. Well, he but could be a boogeyman. But it's but is he a bad guy? They broke into his house. Don't come into my house and try to steal from me. This oh my gosh, there's a, a case about this where a guy but he takes pleasure in the killing. He wants these teenagers. This is there's a true story about this. Shut up. Don't tell them too much. We might cover this. There really is. Now, now I'm down a rabbit hole. This I'm looking up this so actress. So now there was a Don't Breathe 2, and Max and I stumbled across it oh when gosh. there was like thunderstorming on Sunday, and we curled up on the couch and watched it. And it was so good. Really? When it started, I was like, aww. Do you know where it streams? So I have a fire stick. Uh-huh. Which probably isn't on the up and up, but whatever. Everybody has them. <laughs> and so I selected to watch Firestarter. Uh-huh. But whoever I legally downloaded this from oh my God. <laughs> actually uploaded Don't Breathe 2. Wait, what? So, so the that's movie, how you watched it? Yes. Oh, that's funny. So the movie starts and it starts and oh you're like, gosh. this this is probably what this is. And then the more <laughs> it goes on, I'm like, the fuck this is? What is this movie? And Max was like... Mama, don't turn it. I like this. Oh, my He's like, gosh. this is going to be good. You are two peas in a totally pod. We totally are. So, we... I love when you share the on your stories the pictures of you two just bundled up watching scary movies. I mean, movies. love all the scary I'm movies. I'm like, dang it. Why do you live so far away? I love all the I'd scary movies. I pop on movies. over. Yes. Oh. Anytime. So, we started watching it, and he's like, this looks good. And he's like, don't turn it. So, we're like 30 minutes in, and at that point, I'm on the fence, because I'm like, what the hell is this? 30 minutes in, I'm like popping popcorn. I'm like, do you need something to drink, Max? Like, we are in it. It was really good. That's fine. I'm telling you. If you haven't seen it, watch it. I will. It's one of those that like, as it goes on, you're a little confused as to what's happening. And then you're like, maybe this Especially if you think it's Firestarter. Well, exactly. <laughs> you're not wrong. But then you're like, is this guy a bad guy or is he really a good guy? And then the whole fucking thing flips around and turns. Oh. And it's one of those that like when it ends, you're like. Huh. It's a good movie. Interesting. 
You think mm. it's going to be a B movie? Yeah, I mean, it's a good movie. I I'd watch hate it again. A B movie. I would watch it again. I'll have to check it out. Also, I like a scary wreck or a psychological wreck. Yeah, whatever. it's very good. Mm-hmm. So then Friday, since it was Friday the Thirteenth, mm-hmm. we watched Friday the Thirteenth mm-hmm. because there was a new one that came out and I missed it. So whatever I found, you know, we were uh-huh. looking up whatever. Yeah. This one popped up, and I forget what it said. It was like came out in like 2009 or 2010 or something. I was like, what the hell? I don't know. Well, we watched it. It's hard to know. There's so and many. And it was good. It was okay. a weekend of scary movies. That sounds fun. Yeah. That's a good Friday. It was good. Team. It was good. We had, to, we had to bring Jason on home since. Oh, boy. It was good. So there's my two cents that nobody gives a shit about. No, I Watch can- those two movies. <laughs> Charlie from Charlie's is a patron, and I think she's. She probably is listening to this, but Charlie, this October, y'all need to do a scary trivia of some sort. Yes. I love giving unsolicited advice. Trivia. Lacey and I I will host it for you guys. If you want, throwing that out there too. We we have masks. We love spooky stuff. We love a spooky thing. Yeah. We got a minute before that happens, so. Plan ahead. Love a good plan. Covering Michigan next week. Next week we're in Michigan. Anything else? Pure Michigan. Hope Lacey's pool's done by next week because I'm sick of looking out the window. Yeah, seeing a um, and not being able to get in because Lacey desert. is scared we're going to get amoebas in our nose. Oh, well, or your or brain. That's the fear. The, don't want don't want well, them anywhere. To enter. Don't want them anywhere near no. any orifices. No, we don't want them anywhere. Anyways, we got to go. Bye. Bye.